Today's episode is brought to you by OakleySign.com. Realtors across the country choose OakleySign.com because they offer the widest selection of high-quality, affordable, custom real estate signs backed by a best price guarantee and free design services. Whether you are a new agent, opening a new office, transforming your brand identity, or simply need fresh signs to work for your market, Oakley's real estate and design experts produce signs you will be proud to display. Get 50% off your next custom sign order when you go to oakleysign.com forward slash keeping it real or use promo code keep it real at checkout. And now onto our show. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with author and top producer Aaron Spradlin. Before we get to Aaron, just a couple of quick reminders. Please tell a friend. Think of one other real estate agent that could benefit from hearing from top producers like Aaron and send them a link to our show. Easiest way is to send them right over to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com, which they can stream every episode we've ever done right from that website. Or if they're a podcast listener, just have them pull up their podcast app and do a search for Keeping It Real and hit that subscribe button. Also, please leave us a review. So whatever podcast system you're using, for example, iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, feel free to leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, And as always, we say thank you for continuing to listen to us, to support us, and to keep us going so we can keep producing more episodes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And now, on to our interview with Aaron Spradlin. Today on the show, our guest is Aaron Spradlin from Aaron and James Real Estate in Denver and Colorado Springs. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about Aaron. Aaron Spradlin works with investors in Denver and Colorado Springs. Her niche is the furnished medium term space, which caters to people that need a furnished rental for more than 30 days. Not only is she an ambassador of this trend for her clients, she's also published a book on the topic, which is called American Nomads Finding and Renting to Remote Workers. By the way, if you look in the show notes for this episode, you will see a direct link to Aaron's book. So please go check it out and buy it. Now, 14% of Airbnb guests want, now this is interesting, 14% of Airbnb guests want 30 plus day rentals, right? With, with So this is the rise of the remote workforce and the trend is growing fast. So Aaron helps her clients find properties and tenants for this model, which is the reason that we wanted to bring her on the show because I was not familiar with this particular model. Please visit Aaron at her website, which is Aaron and James. And Aaron is E-R-I-N. So Aaron and James real estate.com. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you, DJ. That was such a thorough intro. I appreciate it. And also clarifying that my name is E-R-I-N instead of A-A-R-O-N, which is sometimes, sometimes throws people for a loop. So I appreciate that. And I'm so excited to be on the podcast. I love the podcast. So I am super excited to be a guest. We should also mention before I forget, and I just did. And so I'm so glad you said the word podcast because you have a podcast as well. Could you tell us a little bit about your podcast? 
I do. So it's called Aaron and James uh, Colorado Springs Real Estate. If you Google that, we should come up podcast. Um, but we focus on Colorado Springs. And honestly, we focus a little bit on Denver, too, just because a lot of our buyers just want to be in Colorado. They're open to different areas. And I have lived in Denver since college. And now I'm back in Colorado Springs, which is where I grew up. So we feel like we know both communities really well. And since we've been in business, depending on what our investors or our home buyers want, we will point them in either direction. Wonderful. And by the way, you can also get to Aaron and James, uh, the Colorado Springs podcast uh, from their website, which again is AaronandJamesRealEstate.com. And we will also in the show notes, uh, there is a link directly to Aaron's uh, podcast. So please check that out and subscribe. Uh, well, so I will re-welcome you to the show because I forgot about <laughs> your, your podcast. Uh, but I am really interested in talking about your business model. But before we get to that, would love to hear about your journey into real estate. So can you tell us about how you initially got uh, involved in real estate and, and sort of what that looked like and how, how you've sort of uh, transitioned now to working exclusively with investors? Yeah. So we, um, it was an interesting journey. I think kind of followed a lot of people's in the sense that it wasn't necessarily the plan, but both my husband and I were in marketing and we had a background in marketing. I specifically worked for a small marketing company that worked for other small companies. So I had a lot of exposure to small businesses and it was always a dream of mine to do that. Uh, my husband, so my boyfriend, now husband, um, at the time in 2014, we were dating, but we weren't ready to move in together. So we were spending a lot of time together. So I decided I'm just gonna put my place up on Airbnb. And it's crazy, but 2014 was kind of early days Airbnb, really? at least at least for Denver. There weren't like a ton of options. And so um, I had put it up and I thought, you know, if I just make 400 bucks a month on this, um, I'd be happy about that and it would cut down my rent. And within 30 minutes, I just had $100 listings or $100, um, uh, sorry, reservations. And so wow. then, you know, it was just crazy. We actually ended up doing Airbnb arbitrage where we were renting other places and renting it out. We promptly decided to move in together because the money was so insane that we're like, okay, we can do this. Um, and then uh, long story short, because we were making that kind of money, we thought that there were probably other investors or real estate people that would want to make this kind of money and that would be interested in the laws around Airbnb because they were rapidly changing and it's a yeah. city to city thing. Right. Um, so we both quit our jobs within a month of each other, which was kind wow. of wild. But um, even though I didn't always see myself in real estate, I always wanted to own my own business and real estate seemed like the fastest vehicle and Airbnb seemed like a good niche for that. Um, and as it just worked out, we absolutely love it. Um, we think it's a really great job in the sense that, you know, there's strategy involved. It's a good um, income. And then also it actually makes a huge difference in people's lives. So it has a lot of the elements and a job that you would actually want. And I think we're four and a half, five years into it. And it, it's awesome. It's the best decision I've ever made. <laughs> Wow. And and did you ever have a traditional sort of realtor business where you were working with just normal uh, non-investment clients, you know, uh, retail buyers and sellers or or people buying and selling the primary residence or or have you always sort of been in the investor space? No, so we still do. So I would say, you know, 25 25 to 40% of our business is just standard buyers and sellers. And sure. then 50 to 60% is investors. I think we've always been investor heavy because we've done a lot of education and SEO and written a lot of articles for bigger pockets and just been in that scene sure. 
for a long time. And so those clients have been great to us and, and they tend to be repeat clients. And, um, you know, there's also a little bit of intimidation around those clients. So I think if you feel comfortable in that space and, you know, I think a lot of those clients too are looking just for someone to double check their numbers or someone to talk to, because it is scary when you're making a huge financial decision um, for your family or for yourself. You want to make sure that like a lot of times it helps to have a second set of eyes or somebody that's a partner with you on that. Um, and so I feel like that's, we provide that for clients. And I think it's something that people are uh, investors respond to. For sure. And you had mentioned bigger pockets. And I only just want to pause for a moment because a lot of our audience may may not yet be familiar with bigger pockets as a, a resource. Um, but what bigger pockets is, is a great uh, sort of a subscription based forum model. They also have podcasts and books and lots of resources. But basically, they're a hub for learning about all things investments and chatting with other investors. Um, it's, it's really the place to be for the best education you could probably get around learning about investments because it's people who just kind of live live investments all day uh chatting back and forth so there's like a social aspect to it and then it's really kind of a no-brainer if you're looking to really get into that space it's I don't know of any other resource that's as vast. So, and we've had we've had some of the bigger pockets guys on our our show in the past. So, for anyone who wasn't familiar with that, and you're interested in learning about investments, um, and I'll ask Erin if, if she if there's any you know things she wants to add to that. But I would encourage everyone to check it out. It seems like a no brainer. No, absolutely. I always tell people. I think your description was better. I I usually tell people <laughs> it's like face, it's like Facebook for real estate. So it it's is. a great. Yeah way to network with other people. I actually think too, you know, they've been very heavy in the investing space for a long time, but my guess is long-term, it will just become a real estate resource. And I think you're even starting to see that. So I think um, it's a good space to be in regardless if you're in real estate. And then I know Million Acres is also kind of making a push to yeah. do something similar as well. And I'm less familiar with them, but I do think it's interesting because I you're starting to see articles, they're starting to see them enter that space as well. Yeah, so the, just to pause this for a moment and just mention uh, another great resource on the non-investment space. Um, so the two best communities I've found for realtors to hang out, and it's not just realtors, but but the vast majority of, of people who listen are realtors to the show. Um, again, Bigger Pockets uh, is, is awesome for investments. Uh, anyone who does investments who's a realtor is probably already familiar, but if you're not, check it out. And then as a more traditional realtor, Lab Code Agents is, is just <laughs> insane. Um, so check them out as well on the retail space. Um, you can find them on Facebook. But anyway, back to Aaron. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about, Aaron and I were chatting beforehand, um, and it, it's particularly interesting because I, I myself am not, uh, I'm not an, a real estate investor. I mean, I, I own a place, but <laughs> I live there. So I wouldn't call that an investment. Um, I've always thought it was funny that people can sit, people will put their primary resident in their asset column on their, you know, in their balance sheet. Um, but it's not really an asset, right? Like it's only an asset the day you sell it. Right? And then, and then, yeah. and then you have to live somewhere else. And unless you're renting or something, uh, you don't probably get to bank all of that money. Um, so I, I've never really thought of primary residence as investments. Of course, uh, we're talking about, you know, a, a now, you, again, it could be your primary residence if you also have other units there and you're renting out other prop, you know, part, uh, they call it, you know, the, uh, you know, house hacking or, or multifamily investing. But can we just, just let's just go through, because you, Aaron, has a very particularly interesting thought about uh, investments. So 
Um, and this is just one little minor point that I, I wanted to have uh, her discuss. But we were talking beforehand about cash flow. So um, investors tend to want to look as long-term investors, not fix and flip, but buy and hold investors, right? Uh, they are typically looking at cash flow. So they want to see, you know, net at the end of a month, like you were saying, you were making 400 a month. That's pretty good cash flow. Um, but right now we're kind of in a weird spot with where we are in the housing market and a lot of stuff's appreciated. And so Aaron was, had sent over some, some math, a really simple math that said, you know, um, if something's appreciated, you know, a hundred thousand um, dollars, well, do the math on how long you'd, you'd have to make that up in passive income. Uh, and, you know, and, and it could be, you know, 15 plus years before you see that same return. Um, are you starting to have those conversations with investors who were buy and hold, who are now thinking, hmm, maybe I should cash out? Definitely. I mean, I think for the last two or three years, it's been a big conversation locally in Denver and Colorado Springs, and not just for myself, but for a lot of real estate agents. And I think the frustration has been that traditionally the rental model and the way to have a good investment is to have really high cap rates and high cash flow. And that just does not work here up and down the front range, unless you're doing a short term rental and you're managing it yourself or a medium term rental and managing it yourself, then that and, might and be I'm sorry, Just to pause you for a sec, because what you just sure. said was really important. Um, and, and so short term and, and medium term, we're not talking about 12 month leases here. Now we're talking, what, what do you define short medium term as? So a short term would be like 30 days or less. And traditionally what you think of as Airbnb, VRBO. Sure. And then a medium term, typically what we see is it's still furnished, but it's for the 30 days or more. And that usually, you know, it's what happens is people will come in. Definitely this summer, we're seeing more just 30 day, 60 day rentals. But a lot of times these people actually will end up renting for six months or a year. But they initially come in with, you know, a month to three month lease and go a little bit longer. And that's what we mean by that medium term space. Uh -huh. um, and so if you're managing either of those yourself, maybe you can cash flow in this market. But if you're doing long term rents, you have a property manager on it, it's really it's very hard. And so. Um, as agents, sometimes it's frustrating because people will come in and say, you know, I want this. And then and then you go through three months of them saying the numbers just don't work. The numbers just right. don't work. And it's like, yes, they don't work because the rents don't the rents have not matched the mortgages yet. Um, but the point that, you know, you and I had been talking about before we started was that, you know, if you go to the Midwest or somewhere, you can have good cash flow. They're going to have yeah. $400, $500 a month cash flow. But traditionally, those houses don't appreciate. A house that was 30000 20 years ago is 30000 still. And this would be like Tulsa-ish area. Um, whereas, you know, and I mean, I don't mean Chicago, basically, is what I'm saying. I'm talking about sure. Kansas, Oklahoma, sure. places like that. Um However, so people will think, okay, that's a great investment. I'm making $400, $500 a month in cash flow. But in Colorado for the last couple of years, we've seen close to $100,000 in appreciation every single year. Um, or, wow. you know, in a bad year, 50,000 or 25,000. But if you take that one example of 100,000 in a year, if you did that in Colorado and you had that appreciation versus the same investment or similar investment in Oklahoma, that's $500 a month, it would take you 16 and a half years 
of $500 a month to get to that 100,000. So just trying to talk to people about how to think about investing differently and maybe to question some of the advice that we've always taken as gospel, it, it just might not be relevant anymore. And, and I felt that way too when I first started investing and was in the short-term space. Some of the clients that I would work with, it was like, no, my dad invests and he says a multiplex is the only way to go. And you know, this is, and it's gotta be long-term rents. And it was like, you should really be looking at the Airbnb numbers because they're stronger than that. They're going to appreciate, you're going to make way more money um, and you don't necessarily need a duplex to do that. So just trying to speak to people that like, yes, it's always been done, been done this way, but there's potential for a new way to think about it. And I do think you're starting to see that more in the ether. And, and the other thing I just to add one more thing is that I think a lot of it, real estate advice sometimes that you hear is national real estate investing advice and right. it really should be regionalized, right? Like the investment that you would have in Colorado is very different than the investment you would have in the Midwest. So just, you know, depending on what your goals are thinking about it and, and the best way to go about doing it. And the other thing that's kind of neat about the Airbnb model, aside from the fact that, you know, they're going to do a lot of the marketing for you and, and just, you know, some, some of the headache around, you know, figuring out who's a good tenant, um, you know, for the short term uh, or, or midterm now is that, um, and I, I, you know, I'm so sort of like this, this wouldn't have occurred to me because maybe I'm just not very logical, but I, my thought was, oh, if you're renting out, you know, a property with via Airbnb, it's going to create more wear and tear because there's more turnover. And the, I, I've heard of the exact opposite from investors that there's actually less wear and tear because people tend to treat places they're only in for a couple of days or, or maybe a week, a lot better than they might treat a place that they're living in for 12 months. Is, is, have you found that to be true or, or is that not always true? No, that's definitely been my experience. And I think the medium term space as well. I always say, you know, people have a fear of tenants and, you know, I, I just personally have not really had a bad experience with a tenant. And I think some of that may come from the fact that I have been in the medium term and short term space. So I haven't, you know, I've had one tenant that started as a medium term and I think he stayed for 18 months, but still he took care of the place impeccably and um you know i just i have not knock on wood but i have not had a bad experience with tenants and i do sometimes wonder if that's if if part of the reason for that is because of the shortened leases yeah it's very it's very interesting well let's talk about remote work so tell us a little bit about this trend um in just so the workforce and how this has been an opportunity for you on the in the investor space Sure. This is a topic I feel extremely passionately about. And I think Great. investors should really be paying attention to. I kind of think it is the next, it is the next step for Airbnb. And you're seeing Airbnb talk about it. Um, the stat that you actually quoted in the beginning with the 14%, um, Brian Chesky has come out. So the CEO of Airbnb has come out and said, you know, it took us 10 to 12 years to get to 14% of people, 14% of our guests that wanted 28 days or more stays. But in the last two years, that's now bumped up to 24%. So almost a quarter wow. of their rentals are 28 days or more. And wow. then you're just- that's remarkable. Yeah, right, and in two years, right? And I'm sure some of wow. that is the pandemic. Sure. But that's gonna, that's gonna continue. And I think when you look at Airbnb, I think they believe that too, because there's a page dedicated to 28 day or more stays, but there's also a page dedicated to um, 
it's called Try Before You Buy, but it has to do with Tulsa Remote and some other communities where they are trying to get remote workers to pick their communities to live. And that's because remote workers typically have $100,000 or more in salary. And places like Tulsa believe they're going to spend their money in Tulsa and potentially stay and make the city better. So it's a really good investment for them. So the try before you buy is a whole page on Airbnb dedicated to these different cities that are making offers to remote workers to come in. And it's the space we've lived in for a long time because we had Airbnb investments where we were doing Airbnb on it, but the laws changed or we just burned out on it. And so we ended up flipping to saying, okay, we're not going to sell the furniture, but we're going to keep these rentals, for, but we're just going to make it 30 days or more. That way we're still complying with the local laws, but we can have these shortened tenants, shortened leases. And it's just been amazing. The tenants are great. They they don't pay as much as a short-term renter, but they definitely pay more than a long-term renter. Um, and they're just easy to work with. You typically don't hear from them a lot. They're, they're professionals. Um, and it just, we've found this model to be very easy. And I'm passionate about this because I think in the future, you're just going to see more and more and more of this because of the remote work becoming more of an option for people. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I, I imagine if if the if the demographics say that people who are exploring these kind of opportunities, maybe going to another city for for a month to try before you buy via the Airbnb sort of program, um, these are and you said if the if the demographics say that these people make you know on average at least a hundred grand, um, yeah, you get these are probably people that you would put in the professional category that you know have. Uh, you know, maybe there's a, they're not coming into party for the weekend and then leave. Um, these are people that are really thinking about where's, where's my life going to take me. And, and is this, is, is Topeka, Kansas, the place I want to be uh, for that. And so there's, there's all these communities and cities that are, are really eager to get this remote workforce because I mean, the genie is sort of out of that bottle, the pandemic forced that hand. And, you know, we've seen it here in Chicago, downtown, we have these beautiful, wonderful, uh, the cityscape that these beautiful office buildings that, you know, I don't know what the occupancy is anymore, but it, it's still, um, I, I imagine they're struggling. And so I, I don't know how many uh, employees are, I, I would be very curious to see in the next two years, how many of the, what percentage of the people who, who worked remote during the pandemic are still working remote. I, I don't know if it's going to be 50% or 25%, but whatever the number is, it's going to be a lot of people working from home that are now thinking, oh, I can, I can work anywhere. Um, and well, yeah. And I think there's, you know, a generation divide there too. They're saying some of the older population wants to go back and the younger population does not. They're saying 33% of the workforce is threatening to quit if they're brought back. And so I think what we're seeing is that, you know, there's kind of two different ways of people doing this. So there are people that are just traveling to different cities in the US that they had a curiosity about and just living, you know, for two months in Denver, two months in Seattle, two months in LA, whatever, trying to decide where they might want to live or just having that experience. And then there's also people that are moving into communities that you know, they want to live somewhere and check out the community and then decide what neighborhood they best want to buy in. And so that's the try before you buy aspect of Airbnb. So like saying like, come check out the community, don't buy a house yet when you don't necessarily know what neighborhood you want to be in. And I think it's interesting too, because the remote work is 
that's absolutely pushing it. But in the past, you know, people thought of this as the traveling nurse model or the yeah. corporate professional model. And that's primarily who we rented out to before COVID hit. Um, and then also, uh, just as a side note, when COVID hit, um, there were also a lot of people that wanted, did not want to spend COVID in their house with their spouses. So we actually sure. got some people that were maybe on the brink of divorce, and this is like a separation <laughs> period. And so that's also another subset that we get sometimes, but yeah, they tend to be high skilled. Yeah. Or they were just in a high risk environment at work. Maybe they worked in hospitals and it yes. made sense for them to not be at home with their spouse because there was just contamination issues and infection. And so, yeah, that's very interesting. Absolutely. We didn't, I, we didn't have anyone like that, but some of my clients did. I actually have a client that had a place she had just bought in Michigan right before this whole thing hit. And then they were, you know, really worried they weren't going to be able to get anyone. But when COVID hit, they flipped it basically into a rental for people. Yes, that, you know, didn't want to um, endanger their families and their families were vulnerable. So they would come and stay there or they would um, be in quarantine basically and then go see their families. So uh, very interesting how this has changed things. Yeah. And again, I'll be very curious to see what percentage return to a traditional nine to five, same office every day uh, life. Um, and and I, I, yeah, it's funny because you think like, okay, maybe the employer gets slightly less production because out of, out of the employee, because maybe they're working from home and they're more easily distracted. There's not as much structure. So I think we could logically make that argument that they'll be less productive, but they're also saving on office space of uh, the employer. So, you know, it, it probably nets positive um, for a lot of businesses, not all businesses, but certainly a lot of them. And so as those numbers start to become more evident and published and promoted in, in the work of sort of the, you know, the business world, um, it'll be very interesting to see how long people now stay in certain markets to live um, or if there's just, a, you know, people typically maybe who are are, are single or, or don't have children or are newly married and have the ability to sort of travel around more and spend 30 days here or, or there. And I know you guys have obviously that's your, your whole model. You see tremendous amount of people doing that. Um, I am curious to talk just for a moment about I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about pricing, because right now with so much appreciation that we've seen. Um, and we hear more about it, I think, with primary residences. Um, but I, in the investor space, um, are you finding it more challenging these days to make the numbers work um, because uh, you know prices have appreciated? Or is, is it in your market, is it still possible to, to find some of these, um, these properties that and, and, you know, and, and make them cash, either cash flow positive or you know, uh, good sort of short, shorter term investments? I have only found it to work in my market. If you are doing a furnished rental, either short term or medium term, I'm not finding it working with the long term. If you're buying anytime recently, we're also seeing people also buy places and then rent out rooms to individuals um, mm -hmm. versus the whole house. But again, in a furnished space and, and then also taking out the property manager, um, especially with the medium term, I think with the short term, it's harder because you have to have a reliable cleaning crew all the time and stuff. So trying to do that out of state can be challenging. I think with the medium term, I have strongly discouraged my clients from bringing in any kind of property 
property manager because I'm like, you just need a good relationship with one handyman, one cleaner, and then a smart lock. And that takes care of a lot of, and you know, and then as you go along, you'll get your systems down. And this is something I talk about a lot in the book with checklists and how to think about how to write your leases a little bit differently and what the insurance product looks like and things like that. But I just think that um, you know, we, we self-manage all of ours because we just haven't found it to be a big issue. Whereas I would never self-manage a short term because I think it does require a lot of you, but I think, you know, the long term, I don't know. I think it's really hard in Denver and Colorado Springs right now to have, you might break even. Um, but I don't think you're going to do it with the 5%, um, expenditures and things like that. So it's just, it, it depends on, you know, what you're going for. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's so interesting though because it, it it seems counterintuitive to people who maybe who aren't in the investment space to think short term and medium term rentals typically don't require pro uh, property management or or you know a professional property manager, third party property manager. Um, but you're absolutely right. My sister has a property in in Tampa. She lives there. Um, she has an investment property that's very close to where she lives, and she does short term and, and medium term rentals just like yourself. And uh, yeah. She, I go, oh, who's your property manager? And she's like, oh, you, we don't need one. And they've had it for years. And I go, she, and she goes and checks it out every, you know, every few weeks just to make sure things haven't, you know, completely, um, you know, gone to pot. But it, it, she's like, no, you don't, I don't need anything. She goes, I, I just need a great, she, like you said, I have a great handyman. I have a great cleaning crew and that's pretty, and Airbnb sort of takes care of the rest. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable. Um, and uh, I wonder almost if, property management companies are, are starting to, you know, feel some pressure to, to compete in that space. Uh, but um, so, so the pricing you've seen increase, um, it, has there been more competition from investors trying to do, uh, to, you know, sort of grab these properties and, and has that driven prices even further up? Yeah, I think I just read something. Uh, there's a lender here that we follow. And I think you had an article saying that 30% of 30% of properties being bought in the last 12 months were cash and quite a yeah. few of those were investors. And so I think, you know, I, yes, I think it, it's kind of hit or miss, right? Like it, it depends on the investor. I think in some ways we've benefited from this with the remote work because when you can live anywhere, a lot of people want to live in Colorado or they want to live on the coast. On the other hand, it's gotten so expensive that if you, again, believe or ascribe to that cash flow, it might turn you off because you're not going to get that in this market. So we, a lot of times, too, what we'll see is people um, that actually do buy as a primary and then they house hack. They have the basement or something where they rent it out. And you also find people that are buying now because they just don't believe in the long term that they're ever going to be able you know, if things continue to go the way they have. Have been in two or three years, then buying a house in Colorado will be totally out of the question. So they're buying now, living, house hacking, or you know, accepting of the fact that if you if they are going to do a long term rent, that they might not cash flow on it, but eventually they'll have a house in Colorado when they're ready to retire. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and, and also too, there's, you know, with this medium term rental, uh, remote sort of uh, opportunity, as, as I'm thinking about it from our listeners perspective, you know, these, these are going to be people, you know, who are professional, who are highly skilled, and are sought after in whatever field they're in. And if they're able to if, if their family situation allows for this um, and, and their work situation allows, they're going to be able to, to be mobile. And this try before you buy thing is, is a really good idea. Um, and so as a realtor, 
you might start to want to have these conversations with your clients to find out what their future goals are, right? I, I think that's a huge opportunity because you know, you, you can start talking about these things. And, and, and as a result, if, if the client is now saying we may want to sell our primary home here, and now we never thought we were always thought we were chained to, you know, Chicago or, or wherever. Um, but now, now we, those chains maybe don't exist as much. And so we're going to explore other opportunities. So as the realtor, I might think, oh gosh, I'm now going to lose a client, but I think the realtor can still help with, directing these clients to check out other cities and towns and say, Hey, I've got some ideas for you, but also eventually those, those, that couple, um, that client may per and probably will purchase somewhere else. And so that's an opportunity to refer business to a realtor in another state and city. Um, so I think that's a huge opportunity is really starting to build your network of people you want to refer to. Like, learning about other markets, which I know is daunting as a realtor to think I have to know about my market. And now <laughs> I have to sort of understand other markets. But what really all you have to understand is where do people in your market go either for the winter? Uh, where do they tend to vacation? Yeah. Wh what cities are close enough by that are really attractive? Maybe they're more affordable um, and, and start to talk to them and say, hey, what is your long-term plan here? I'm your realtor. And even if you move to another city, I still want to be able to help you. So anyway, I know I just went on a bit of a rant there, but I was curious. I was just thinking as you were talking, I'm curious if you see those kind of opportunities for, for traditional realtors who have clients that may be leaving town. No, I think that's great advice. And we have really strong relationships with a realtor in Austin and then also one up in the mountains because we don't serve the mountains. And so those relationships have really paid off. I also just think in general, clients, even I, you know, this is something my husband's been very great about it. I feel like I have adopted more in the last couple of years, but I think clients really respond to you just being helpful and a resource. And even if it's not going to pay off for you now, um, people remember that and they have goodwill towards you and it, it shows back up maybe in three years, maybe it's not an immediate thing, but just helping people and educating them. They, I, I've just found people like that, especially in something as in, as intimidating as investing, right? With you can really help them, especially for first time investors, like really help them feel good about it and and talk to them about a lot of the pro like a lot of the things they're afraid of that they don't want to admit and say this is totally normal and stuff. But also to your point, having those relationships and referrals in other cities and and something I would recommend to other real estate agents is to go onto the try before you buy page for Airbnb and see what cities they're talking about, because those cities are going to have remote workers that need furnished houses. <laughs> and so it might be a real opportunity to buy up in those communities and have a furnished rental because you know, and I, and I actually would pay attention to the ones on the Airbnb page because I think a ton of cities are, um, are starting to launch these and not all of them will be successful. And my guess is that Airbnb has really vetted which ones right. they believe yeah. will be successful. So Aaron just gave a really, really good piece of advice. And I just want to, I want to, I want to double up on it. 
So what she said was go to, and we'll link to this in the show notes. So go to the Airbnb or just Google Airbnb, try before you buy, it comes up. And what you see there is a little description of kind of what that means, you know, medium term rentals, you know, space 30 plus days, I think is, is kind of their definition. And also it shows all the communities that they are kind of rolling this out in. So Aaron just gave a really great uh, piece of advice, which is maybe as investors, you know, you're thinking about your local market, but the remote workforce thing is likely not going away. So look to see what communities are participating. And Airbnb is nice enough to show you exactly the part, the communities that are participating in this, like Topeka, Kansas, I think is on the list we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. So this is an opportunity for you as an agent to then say, you know, I've been reading a lot about this try before you buy model with Airbnb, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Investor. And I know we've, we've traditionally focused here in, in our local community. I want to talk about this and I want to start thinking about opportunities for you in other other areas. And then as the realtor, all you really need to do is find other realtors who who focus on these short and midterm rentals uh, in those markets and, and develop relationships with them and hopefully start, you know, passing passing leads back and forth. Um but you can also do that locally too. So if you are an agent who, you know, maybe you're an agent in Topeka and you're like, I don't really want to play in this investor space because it's not really what I do. I like working with, you know, first time home buyers who they just going to buy for their primary or, or whatever. Um, find somebody who does this locally or in other markets. And boy, that's a, a tremendous amount of value. So you as the agent don't have to know everything. I imagine, uh, Aaron, you probably get referrals from other realtors who say, you know, this is somebody that is right in your wheelhouse. Can you take care of it for me? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, so I always had something called the orange theory theory, which was basically like, if you're looking to invest somewhere and you're starting to see orange theory be there or Whole (laughs) Foods or Starbucks, it's like, you don't need to actually do your own research or demographics. They've done it for you. They're not showing up for no reason. They're not dummies. They're there for a reason. And I think it's the same thing with this Airbnb and try before you buy. I'm like, Airbnb isn't they have done the research to see who's doing it right and who's not. And so I think that it, the logic kind of follows there. And I remember one time my husband was telling me, I think this is so funny that he said, you know, McDonald's does hundreds of thousands of dollars in research for real estate and Burger King does $0 in it. They just follow wherever McDonald's is. Smart. So just <laughs> be the Burger King in this situation and just benefit <laughs> off of the big companies that have the money to figure out where you should be. It's it's such a smart thing. I I went to Santa Fe about maybe 15 years ago with my mom, just a little father or a mother uh, son trip. And we and Santa Fe is is a wonderful city. If if anyone ha- has been there, you'll know just how beautiful and, and lovely it is. But it's a relatively small city. It's not as big as you might think. But there are two Whole Foods in Santa Fe, and which is shocking for the population. <laughs> and then you kind of go like. Oh, a lot of wealthy people live here. Like, and then again, this is 15 years ago when Whole Foods was really just a wealthy person's grocery yeah. store. And, and it isn't so much that way anymore, although it still can be, of course. But but I thought, oh, this is a place that is 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 definitely growing and their population is is increasing. And you know, so so she the, the point, that point is very good. And so again, yeah, go to the Airbnb website for try before you buy it and, and just take a look at those communities and at the very least find another realtor out there who specializes in short and midterm rentals and start a conversation and say, Hey, I'm going to start talking to my clients about your community. Can we ever jump on like a three-way call with my clients who are investors 
or can I just start passing leads over to you? And again, uh, boy, what a tremendous amount of value you have just brought to your eight, to your clients without really having to know much about those particular communities. Um, uh, real quickly, before we wrap up, I definitely want to get to the book, which we talked about at the very beginning, but not, not enough. Uh, the book is called American Nomads, Finding and Renting to Remote Workers. This is exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. Can you just give us a little, a little bit more information on the book? Sure. So, I mean, it's interviews with people that have done it. It's checklists that cover it. Um, just different conversations about how you might find these renters out. You know, Airbnb is going to have it, but there's also other websites that we've used for a long time that we find to be strong that take lower fees than Airbnb. Um, how to think about insurance, how to think about, you know, what a remote worker would want in their space that might be different than, um, than your standard renter. And then also the difference between a remote worker that's a single, a couple or a family, because I definitely, you know, I have a girlfriend that just did it for eight months and she was talking about a kitchen is so important for the family. And then also privacy, because you have to get away from your kids uh, a lot, you know, to, to maintain, you know, business calls and stuff. I, I was shocked to see that nobody was doing second screens. And then also just talking about wow. how you would advertise your particular, like, a lot of people say that they're good for remote workers, but then when you look through the listing or whatever, it's like, well, there isn't a private space. There isn't a second screen. They're not talking about Wi-Fi. So just talking about the different ways that you really want, what you want to put up front and how to think about these people. And just, I, I just really studied who remote workers were and I really studied um, what they would want and then and pulled checklists from our experience and things that we've found that have really streamlined it so that um, things aren't falling through the cracks. And it's just, it's just been really easy. And I am, like I said, I'm passionate about this because it's been very good to us. And we really like those kind of client, or those kind of tenants and our clients tend to as well. Yeah. And, and, and if you are an investor and you want to play in the, in the, in this sort of work, remote workforce space, definitely upgrade your internet speed to, you know, a yeah. really fast uh, connection and promote that in, you know, and I don't know what Airbnb allows. Yeah. yeah. Make sure that maybe it's a screenshot of the actual uploads and download speed, but like that, I know for me, that would be absolutely critical. If I were to, you know, do remote work, I would, I would, is embarrassing. You know, I would hate to like ask the owner, can you run a quick speed test and send it to me? But I would, oh, no. I would sort of, I would need that. Yeah. And also put it in your listing. So the speed mm -hmm. test here is for this and we're happy to provide that for you. Um, on an end note too, I found it interesting. A lot of people that can travel singles and couples, they don't have kids, but they have animals that they are yeah. very serious about. So being pet friendly. And if you have a fully fenced in yard, that will make your ratings go through the roof. Um, that is a hard thing for remote workers or all renters to find on Airbnb. Um, and so that's something where, again, in my interviews, it was just coming out like uh, finding a place that was pet friendly uh, was a real limiting factor. So I think you can charge more for that. And I definitely think for the demographic of remote workers, a lot of them care a lot about their fur babies. So being accommodating to that. Well, the book again is American Nomads, Finding and Renting to Remote Workers. Uh, also, everyone go uh, look in this, the show notes for the link directly to the book and you can purchase it there. Also, check out Erin's website, which also has links to her podcast, which is Erin and James, again, E-R-I-N and JamesRealEstate.com. That will also be in the show notes. Erin, this was such a fun conversation and it's really funny just to pull back the curtain 
a bit on our show, we get, because there's so many real estate investment podcasts already. I mean, there's dozens and dozens of them. Uh, Bigger Pockets, of course, is probably the best example of that. Um, but we, we have specifically not really talked much about investments since we, we started and, and we get pitched by publicists every single day. Talk to my investor uh, client who wants to come on your show and we almost always turn it down simply because we don't think our audience would, would find as much value in that as they could if they went to like bigger pockets web uh, podcast. But this has been so wonderful for our audience. I really want to thank you for making investment stuff fun to talk about. Um, I really do appreciate it. And and I, I, I love the fact that you're so passionate about this remote workforce uh, sort of trend, which likely isn't going away anytime soon. And there's just tremendous opportunity there. Um, so Aaron, thank you on behalf of the audience for coming on and, and sharing with us the, this knowledge. Um, and on behalf of Aaron and myself, we wanna thank our audience for continuing to listen and support our show. Before uh, before you sign off uh, from this episode, if, you, if you're still listening, please follow us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod and hit the, the follow or the like button and you'll get all of our episodes. Uh, and, and we also post an article every day about how agents can grow their business right on our Facebook page. And, and please just tell a friend about the show. Think of one other real estate professional that could benefit from hearing this great interview with Aaron and send them a link right to our website. If they're not a podcast person, just send them to keepingitrealpod.com. Or if they are a podcast person, just have them pull up their app and search for Keeping It Real and hit the su- subscribe button. Aaron, thank you so much. Um, we yes, really thank you, DJ. Time. This is so fun. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you.